and welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck, your host. A very special interview with a very special individual author, the one and only Raymond Arroyo, the author of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, published by Sophia Institute Press, naturally available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, perfect for Christmas, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic, and in many cases, all things Raymond DeRoy as well, with all those wonderful <laughs> books, Ray, uh, Mother Angelica and the Will hey. Wilder books. Um, you've got a whole panoply. Well, you can, you've got, got a, uh, a Christmas library you can offer you people, You know, right? some people golf, some people swim. No. I write books, so right, right. It, it keeps me sane. So in, in, in between everything you do for EWTN and elsewhere and out doing book signings when you have a book, uh, when do you f actually find the time to write a book, even one like this? Nights and weekends, mostly weekends. I mean, I, I, I carve out a bit of time and I try to write every day. I can't always write every day. Um, this book, you know, this could be called The Raymond Who Found the Wise Men because for a long time, like many of the viewers, I, I thought, the song we hear every year, right. those statues we see under the trees, or in our parish, uh, three kings, uh, they came from the Far East. Right. All of that turns out not to be true, Doug. Right. And when I stumbled on the kind of, the deep research, Father Dwight Longnecker, uh, uh, Margaret Barker, so many people. Right. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of, for some reason, a lot of Brits have dug deep into the history of the wise men. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you go back to those first and second century sources, they are nothing as we imagine them. And I thought I needed to tell that story. Well, it's interesting because when, when I first saw the book, when you yeah. sent it to me, the first thing I thought was, well, this reminds me of the Longnecker yeah. book that yeah. we had done several years ago when he was really the first one I was aware of to yeah. kind of posit the Petra mm -hmm. idea. And it was kind of interesting. Now, I know with you, when we talked about, uh, you know, like the Will Wilder books, mm -hmm. you said a lot. some of the other books like this one and maybe The Spider and the other one, some of it came out of your own research for Will Wilder, right? Yeah, yeah, no, well, like the, 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 that fell out. The, the spider who found Christmas, or who who saved Christmas, right. I'm confusing my founds and saves. That's right. The spider who saved Christmas was an old legend I found while doing Will Wilder research. Right. This, because of the success of that book, and it was an old legend, I was looking for another legend about the wise men. Mm -hmm. Well, as I started digging, Doug, I found out everything's a legend about the wise men, everything we know. There's even a legendary uh, gospel of the Magi, mm -hmm. which the Vatican unearthed years ago. But it's all this right. is all eighth or ninth century creations. It's not. It's just they're sweet stories. There's some neat stuff there, but it's not. It doesn't root us in the historic reality. And once I found that, I I found a buddy movie and an adventure far more interesting, mm. far more compelling. And I think that gives many more lessons at Christmas time than these three kings palunking through the desert on their camels. That's just not yeah, an well, interesting Yeah, I think story. the biggest surprise to most of us as kids was to realize, oh, they weren't showing up on Christmas Eve to begin with. <laughs> that was kind of the first thing. Yeah. And then after that, you you kind of had these other ideas. And it's interesting, too, because there's lots of layers, and we can talk about yeah, yeah. the book specifically, but I, I know in reading through the book how the three gifts Mm. are tied directly into your sense of the historicity yeah. of this particular version of the story, well, right? Well, there's a reason that Matthew opens his gospel, Doug, with these three wise men, these exotic figures from the Far East, it may, or, the, or from the East, mm -hmm. from the East, and they say, wise men from the East, people in their minds then leap to the Far East. No, they meant East of Judea. Mm -hmm. And if you read Clement of Rome, if you read um, uh, Tertullian and, and Josephus, they say the wise men came from Arabia. That's mm -hmm. right there on the other side of the Dead Sea, 300 miles away from Jerusalem. It's not that far a journey. 
Um, I loved the idea of them on horseback because Arabian horses were introduced about a hundred mm. years before Jesus in the kingdom of Petra, I mean the kingdom of Nabate. Mm. Nabate is modern day Jordan, bits of Saudi Arabia. It's a big plot of land that the kingdom of Nabate would have controlled. Mm. Now why do the gifts point to that place? Frankincense and myrrh are only made by the kingdom of Nabate at this time and it's grown off of what? Tree sap in southern Arabia. Hmm. They literally take the tree sap and they burn it or they turn it into this myrrh oil, which is a, 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 a medicinal. And gold. We know about King Solomon's mines. Right. Uh, the mines of Midian, same place. Archaeologists can show us exactly where it is. Those mines were controlled by the kingdom of Nabate. So it doesn't, it's not a, a big leap mm -hmm. when you look at those gifts to say, this was the commodity of this kingdom and they were clearly going to pay tribute to what they believed was Herod's son or grandson, a new king in Judea, but they also believed he was a Messiah mm. and a savior because of the prophecies they were reading. And then that leads us to the next layer, which and, who are these wise and Which men? is why they were willing to go and see Herod first to figure out right. what was going on. Well, they right. had to, and that's right. why, again, the Gospels, Raymond Brown and some other uh, biblical scholars, they kind of dismissed and poo-pooed the wise men. Oh, that's kind of a fable. Why would an evangelist open his gospel with make-believe in a fable? That doesn't make sense. And this gospel was for the Jewish people. Right. Matthew's gospel is for the Jewish people. So it opens with these figures from the immediate East immersed in prophecy and going to this Messiah. None of the other gospels have this account. Mm -hmm. But the, the specificity of that, I, I thought, mm -hmm. must be important and certainly bears attention. Um, and when you look at it, there, I mean, the Coptic church, Doug, said there were 60 wise men. Right. The Syrian and Armenian church says there were 12. I'm partial to that. You've got a bit of a crowd there on the, I do. On, well, on if, the balcony yeah, in the picture here. Right? Yeah, if you look at that first spread right. in, in Petra, um, you know, and anybody who's seen Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, right. that's, that's the, the place that they're galloping out in the last scene. Right. That right. is Petra, Petra right. modern-day Jordan. Right. Um, we, I have the wise men and Diane LaFayre, who did my beautiful, gorgeous illustrations for this book, Diane situated all 12 of them on that rooftop because I liked the idea that there was more than the three, but we have three lead characters I'm concerned with. But as children note, if you look closely in the illustrations, the other wise men are in the background are coming up behind our three primary Right, when they're, when they're on yeah. the way. Uh, well, one of the things with it as, as well with this is the three wise men, obviously their names were, and you uh, yeah. came up later, but even the look of the three, how did she decide or you decide? Because they look ethnically slightly different. Yeah, yeah, well, they do. Well, they, and they're clearly in a, they, well, here's what we know about mm. this part of the world. Um, even Raymond Brown, the, the biblical scholar I mentioned a moment ago, he says the largest Jewish community outside of Judea, Jerusalem, was here in Arabia, mm -hmm. in this part of Arabia. So there was a huge group of people. Why were they there? 700 years before Jesus, the first temple, King Josiah expels the priests of the royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. Every Sunday, Doug, we talk about or hear, and I know you viewers hear mm -hmm. this, the order of Melchizedek. Dick, right. What is that? Right. That's the first temple royal high priesthood. Salem, yeah, yeah. before Jerusalem. Correct. Right, right. These guys, I believe, were members of that first temple priesthood in exile, mm -hmm. in Arabia, in the kingdom of Nabate, consultants to the king, but members of that first temple royal priesthood keeping the faith alive. In fact, in Hebrew, and Margaret Barker points this out, she's a specialist in mm -hmm. ancient tongues, if you read 
the uh, gospel mm -hmm. in Hebrew. Wise men from the East can also be translated to wise men of the ancient ways, mm -hmm. of the ancient times. It indicates they might be members of that royal priesthood. They, they're either Zoroastrian priests right. or members of the first Which, temple priesthood. So that's why they're in the garb. Right. You notice they have headpieces. And that's that where they always was the Zoroastrian, the idea of being Persian, because that right. was the predominant religion Correct. there at the time. Correct. Now, it's, it's also interesting with this because we always talk about the star and following the star. Yeah. Now, you talk about the idea of Jupiter and Saturn. Is that the predominant yeah. version? Because there's, there's many theories, yeah, many right? Yeah. Look, I, this, is a, this is a parlor game that people have been playing for about you know, a thousand years. Right. What, what did they see in the sky? There's a good, Michael Molnar, who's an astronomer, he came up with the idea. He found a coin that had a certain um, astral display on it that had Jupiter and Saturn in Aries, mm -hmm. which in the ancient world might have pointed to uh, Jupiter, the royal sign, right. in Judea, which was Aries. They had their own ways of reading the stars. But remember, mm -hmm. you've got Greek uh, astrology, Babylonian astrology, Egyptian astrology. What they were reading, what they saw in the sky, Doug, who knows? Here's the important thing. Here's mm -hmm. the lesson for us. The wise men always kept their gaze on the higher things, looking above. They were not, they were not worried about the earthbound. Mm -hmm. They kept their gaze looking higher, straining for mm -hmm. God and his signs. That's the message for us at Christmas, not what they said. It could have been a comet, could have been three astral events. Right, right. I mean, there are a thousand theories. I, I really don't think right. they're all that productive. Whatever they saw, it convinced them that it fulfilled some prophecy. They saw something. That they knew. Yeah, they and, saw something. And then something happened. And, and that's yeah. the, It's interesting, too, because let me ask you, you said about 300 miles. So in your sense, depending on when they left to head out, how long would it have taken them to get Three to five days. Okay. On horseback, probably three days. But okay. five days at the long end. So this is, we've been, in our minds, we think of these guys going across right, nations right. and across, but again, I wanted to restore for families, and that's mm -hmm. why I did it as a picture book. Mm -hmm. I wanted families, because we encounter the wise men every Christmas. Let's blow away mm -hmm. some of the mythology and find the historic reality, because it's more interesting than the story we've been told. And I love the idea that they were willing to risk life and limb to go and pursue the truth before them. Mm -hmm. They believed there was a Messiah to be found in, in Jerusalem, mm -hmm. and they were going to find him no matter what. And they traversed politics, they traversed uh, uh, barricades. This is why the, the kings from the Far East make no sense. The Romans controlled much of this territory. There's no way at this time, with the political reality of this moment, that emperors from far away are going to get through what would have been three or four kingdoms no, to absolutely. get to Jerusalem. They, they, That's they, they nonsense. It's just nonsense. So I wanted, but the gospel account is true, it turns out. The gospel account can be verified. And um, my feeling is it's the one great claim Christianity has. It's historically true. So let's root that. And look, I take some liberties here. We have some fun and play a bit around the edges because it is a family read, mm -hmm. which means you have to appeal to the older members of the family and children. And like you say, you see it not as a children's book, but as a family book, explain. All my books are family reads. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, L. Frank Baum, who wrote um, uh, Wizard The of Wizard Oz. of Oz, he used to always say, I write for the young and the young at heart. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I thought, this is my mission too. Mm -hmm. I write for the young and the young at heart because I think well, you've had this experience. I've had it. When you read to your children as an adult things you loved as a child, mm -hmm. the story starts to shift on you, and it moves you in a different way. 
And I wanted to write and be a part of those sorts of memories and moments with families. So I consider them family reads. Mm -hmm. And I wanted The Wise Men Who Found Christmas to be um, a way for families to come together during the holidays, deepen this story they know so well, rooted in reality, and ask the questions we should be asking. Just like that, what did they see in the star, Mom? Where did they go? Where, so who was this Herod guy? It, it, it inspires a deeper reflection, and it's natural. You're not lecturing people, you're not preaching at them, you're not throwing them a big, dense research book, which I almost wrote. I almost wrote a chapter really? about okay. this. Yeah, okay. because I was fascinated by it. Mm -hmm. I loved it, and I saw it in my head as a buddy movie, an adventure, mm -hmm. a, a high-stakes adventure with these three men, one who's very cautious and stuck in the royal courts of the right. world that he serves, one who's older and sees the end of his right. life coming and feels he's got to see this Messiah before he dies. Well, I thought it was interesting how you man. keep talking about it was it Melchior's and Melchior. his bones and yeah, which is a setup for something that happens later. Yeah, yeah. later. In well, the it's book. hard. It's hard to write subplots in a picture book, right. but I wanted to layer them in. It gives character. Right. It helps attach the reader and I think in the audience to right. the characters. And um, I, I've been I've been touched by the reaction people have had to it. They right. were they were surprised by it. Really? They were surprised by it. Well, because it's characters we think we know. Right. So when you go, you're like, wait a minute, what? what? Who this is this? different, right? It's different. Yeah, well, you, you beat O. Henry. He only had four wise men, right? I think, <laughs> oh, I, that's I, right. I think in his version. Also, the, uh, the idea of, you said, the wise men who found Christmas. Do you think we have to rediscover Christmas in the world we live in today yeah. as, as families? Well, I think, look, like these wise men, politics, ambition, pain, those things can keep you from seeing, even looking for Christmas. Mm -hmm. These guys, not only did they feel that there was something there, they went out and took the risk to find it boldly. I mean, and I love the idea. That, see this middle th th spread you just opened, mm -hmm. the wise men there, the yeah. three of them on the horseback? No, no, here. This right. one. This is really the whole reason I wrote the book. I love the idea of that, to put plant in the mind that life and faith and the pursuit of it is a vibrant, bold adventure. Mm -hmm. You get on horseback and you race to it. You don't get on a camel and kind of belong to the future. <laughs> I like the, the urgency of this story. Racing that to the truth. Racing toward it, do or die. Yeah. You know, my, my, my do or die ride, what's that line people use? Mm -hmm. you're, my, you're my do or die ride. That's what mm -hmm. this is. And I, and I loved the idea that they had to go do this. And so my hope is, not only will the, did the wise men right. find Christmas, but that readers and all of us will refind it because well, it's rich and beautiful and it's got new gifts for us. Well, you say, uh, Melchior focused on the moving star blazing ahead. The light will show us the way to the child that will not fail us. And, through, and though members of the caravan grumbled, the wise men pressed forward. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty good statement about uh, sometimes our culture and the church, right? You bet. No, you, you've got, look, it takes individuals, mm -hmm. saints. I mean, Mother used to always say, you know, right. you, you don't, we're all called to be saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Well, I don't believe these men mm -hmm. missed the opportunity. And, and Doug, I'll tie this together. There's a, a little thread here. We talked about the gifts earlier, mm -hmm. and I'm watching, I'm looking at that spread where they're running with the gifts to the right. child. Those gifts may be more, this may be more than a gift drop-off. We've been led to believe that this is kind of a howdy and gift drop-off. Right. I don't think it was a drive-by. Mm -hmm. I think it was a religious obligation on the part of these men. And I am now, again, my illustrations in the book split the difference. They might be Zoroastrian priests. They might be members of this first temple Jewish royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. I am now more of the mind that they may be members of that royal priesthood. Why? 
Frankincense was burned in the first temple. Mm -hmm. Gold, and Philo of Alexandria, who was a historian during the time of Jesus, tells us, gold was woven into the vestments of the royal priesthood of that first temple. Frankincense was burned, but most important, myrrh oil was kept in the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. Only in the first temple, wasn't kept there in the second temple. What was it used for? to anoint new priests into that royal mm -hmm. priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. I believe these men weren't just dropping gifts at Mary and saying bye-bye. They were going to anoint this child into the royal priesthood and restore the mm -hmm. first temple, the old ways. Mm -hmm. That blows up our entire notion and I think expands it in incredible ways. I wanted to capture a little of that wonder, that magic, that possibility and that right. deep faith. Right. And, and Diane, Diane LaFayre's illustrations are just eye-popping. Well, she let me really ask you, uh, you used a different illustrator for your first two yeah, books. I did. And you changed. Why? Yeah. Diane LaFayre so impressed me with her vision. Mm -hmm. I wanted her for other things. She's mm -hmm. very hard to get. Mm -hmm. Diane, to you European viewers, Diane has one of the biggest graphic novels in all of Europe. She sold like 20 million copies. Oh, I mean, really? She's a very difficult to get and obviously talented artist. We literally had, Doug, maybe three conversations about this book, and then she showed me her sketches. We made such Why minor... was she attracted to the, do this book, do you I think? I think she was attracted to it because she saw, the, um, she saw the possibility to root this in history, and she liked the challenge. If you notice, there's real detailing on their vestments. Right. This is not thrown off. She did so much research on the, the way the throne rooms would have looked, mm -hmm. the detailing, the costuming, all of that was she was very attentive to. And she, I also said, Diane, I need a sense of wonder in this book. Mm -hmm. And I can't, you can't describe in words the, the things that an image can portray mm -hmm. or open up. So I, I wrote, this, this book was written, as I do most of my books, it was written fat. Mm -hmm. I, there was a lot more text, but I bracketed a lot of that text and Diane wove that into the illustrations and we pulled I the see. text out. She replaced your text with the yeah, illustrations. You let the pictures tell, tell the part story. of the story. Well, they're so luminous, a, they're, you, as people oh, can see on the screen. They are, right. they are eye popping. Right. I just love them. Um, and there's a, there's one, there is one literary license I mm -hmm. took and I thought I had to. Mm -hmm. um, there's a moment where the wise men are running to the house and Pope Benedict in his book there's a line there, and it's a theological mm -hmm. reflection, but I thought we could capture it and play with it a bit. He says, it was not the star that led the wise men to the child. It was the child mm -hmm. who led the star mm -hmm. that drew the wise well, I men. See. Okay. And so I love the idea that you notice the light is coming up, not from down from the star to the house, going but up. up from the house to the star. So those are little, those are little flourishes that right. you can plant in, a, in an illustration that children catch on far quicker than adults, which is why I love pe when people read it together of different generations. You've also got a, a Holy Spirit-like bird there flying around, too. <laughs> He's a falcon. I know, but uh, <laughs> you can interpret it anyway. Okay. Actually, uh, going back to Mother Angelica, I look at the illuminated house and it reminds me of Rhoda Wise. Oh, The connection wow. to Rhoda Wise, right? Yeah, well, Rhoda Wise, for those of you who don't, might not remember, right, well, they'd right. know if they watch your show, but uh, Rhoda Wise was the stigmatist who uh, a healer, a woman in Canton, Ohio, who really became Mother Angelica's spiritual mother. Right. But there are images of that house right. on Good Fridays with hundreds and hundreds of people waiting outside to see her, and the house is luminous. luminous. Like, it's like glowing. Looks like this. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Kind of yeah. looks like that. Yeah. The other thing I, I thought was really Miracles nice still happen. In, in the absolutely in, in the illustrations, and I don't know if we have this one to, to pull up, but uh, I like in a sense how ethnic 
certainly our lady looks. Because well, sometimes people say, well, she, she wasn't from, you know, yeah. Paris. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here she looks and appropriately here, ethnic. My Parisian illustrator, and Diane is from no, Paris, okay. she and I had a long conversation about how we wanted all of these figures to look. They're all very Semitic. Mm, They're right. all of the time. They're not, um, you know, some of the European depictions we've seen of Mary and Joseph and Jesus and the, and the wise men. Mm -hmm. So they're clearly all here uh, Semites. They're all mm -hmm. from the region. Now, you'll notice there is, and I, I had a, a African-American couple the other day come to me in a book signing, and they said, thank you for including the black magi. And I said, mm -hmm. well, let me tell you, I didn't say let's include a black magi. There is an old Irish legend, mm -hmm. but it may be more than a legend, and it's from the early centuries. And it's the story of the Black Magi. Mm -hmm. So that's where that tradition came from. That doesn't appear in some yeah, of the because European anytime, art. Anytime you get Magi, certainly in the United States, there's always one. Well, well right. It's become yeah. part of the cultural vision. Right, yeah. But there's a historic root for it. So I for said, Diane, let's let's weave him into the mix here. Right. And I love that he is the courtier. He's the he's the the, the Magi who served at the courts of the world and uh, is now serving this king in uh, the kingdom of Nabate. So those characters, the characters kind of spoke to me as I got into mm -hmm. it. The names, of course, Doug, and I hate to blow everybody's Christmas, but those names, Caspar, Melchior, uh, uh, Balthazar, those names were created by Venerable Bede in the seventh century. So um, I decided to keep them because it's the names we know, but they are just versions of king in different languages. Right. Melchior in Hebrew, Caspar is like Kaiser, it's a right, German derivative, right, okay. and, uh, and Balthazar is in dead Semitic language, but okay. it means king. What about the age of the Blessed Mother here? Hmm. Did you talk to her about how old you wanted her? We did a little appear? bit. She's a young, I mean, she's yeah, obviously really a, like a girl. She's right, a young, right. she's a, yeah. We wanted her to be youngish. I didn't want her to be a middle-aged woman having right, a baby. She's not right. Elizabeth. So yeah, she would have been a young woman. So oh, no, all those details, and Diane spent a lot of time uh, the the detailing on the vestments, uh, the the whole backdrop, uh, Petra, mm -hmm. that first shot of Petra, um, the the rooftops of these houses. Margaret Barker has a whole book on the first temple that she talks about carvings on the first temple roof that had astrological mm -hmm. charts on them. I had no idea of that. So right. you did have this Jewish connection to the temple and astrological wisdom mm. and uh, astrological gazing. It was all part of the culture at the time. So we capture that, and it's the first time I've ever seen it in a picture book. Look, usually it's three kings wandering around the desert looking at a map, they can't find the way the star goes out. That's the story. This story is far more interesting and filled with more intrigue, danger, suspense, adventure, and I think hope than the other right. books I've seen on the topic. Now, we all know, and you you related here in, in the story about uh, they have to go back by a different route. Yeah. But you show them each taking a different path. Yeah, yeah. I like them going in different. They're each going in their own way. Right. They're each changed. Fulton Sheen has that great line, when you encounter Christ, and I'm mangling it, mm -hmm. when you encounter Christ with goodwill, you never leave by the same path. Mm -hmm. You're always changed, you're transformed. And that's what I think right. happened here. Now, Doug, there is a connection here. Again, this is speculative. Um, some have speculated that St. Paul, after his conversion, it says he went to Arabia for three years to be trained. Mm -hmm. Where? Mm -hmm. With whom? The church is nascent. The church is struggling for its existence. Christians are like battling it out mm -hmm. in, the, in the, you know, the places they are, just trying to live. 
Where is he going for training? There's no institute of Christian learning. You know, where is he going? Many think mm -hmm. he may have gone to train with the wise men. Really? Yeah. Okay. And if you consider his contributions to Christianity, he stresses holy wisdom, which was a concept in the first temple, and he was trained in that Jewish faith, mm -hmm. St. Paul. Um, the timing might have worked out, where the, either these wise men or their, or their descendants are there, mm -hmm. their, their acolytes are there, and it would have been contemporary to the time period. We don't know, right. but it's a really curious and cool uh, speculation that they may have kept that knowledge and passed it on to Paul. Right, and, and one of the other things you have to speculate during the book is who's the narrator? It, it's not oh. a, a Mal from the Night Visitor, no. and it's, it's also not the little drummer boy. No, but it's not, but, but keep it, no but spoilers. You'll but you'll be surprised. Let me ask yeah. you, because uh, you're always fairly closed on what your topics are going to be uh -oh. in the future, but A, are you planning on writing another family book like this, and yeah. where's your next Will Wilder at? All right, everybody asks me about Will Wilder, and I mm -hmm. promise I'm working on book four, and five and six, mm -hmm. and there might be seven, but definitely five and six. So I am working on Will. Will Wilder is the hardest thing to write, Doug, I have to tell you, because it's like a puzzle. Mm -hmm. I, I made the um, maybe blessed mistake of doing a, it's the only middle grade series where the entire family goes on the adventure with the hero. Mm -hmm. Usually families are cut out or dead in these middle grade books. I didn't want that. I wanted the family to go along warts and all mm -hmm. with their baggage. The problem is when you write a family saga, you've got to keep the plate spinning for multiple storylines through multiple book arcs. That's a hard thing to right. pull off. And I look, I the books are all outlined, but because of the changes I made as I went, the outline shifts right, right, and characters right. die. Gotta keep your yeah. continuity so I'm to make sure so it all connects. It's a big puzzle. I love it though. And kids, I am always amazed at the letters I get from children mm -hmm. about that series. So yes, Will Wilder will continue. Perilous Falls I'll return to, I promise, and so will you. Uh, I am doing a very exciting series in the new year. Um, Harper Collins and I are doing a series called Turnabout Tales. Is, is that the one with the the young Edison? Yeah, the book first coming book out, is right? Thomas Edison, The Unexpected Light of Thomas Alva Edison. Mm. But each book will focus on a different life, a great life, in their young time frame. And the Turnabout Tale is really where a young life is faced with crisis, a decision is made and a path is open that shifts all of history. Because I think that's your turnabout tale and my turnabout right, tale right. and everybody's turnabout right. tale. But when you see it in stark relief with somebody like Edison, and I can't ruin it, I wish I could talk about it, right. but yeah, there was a crisis point in his life that could have really ended his life. And yet, because of the faith of his mother, mm. everything was altered and changed, even what we're sitting under right, right now. We'd be in the dark or with candles if it wasn't for Edison. So the fact that this iridescent man who had right. such um, curiosity and such um, a workmanlike attitude about creation and innovation, the crisis he faced as a child is one many people face. So I want kids and parents to relate to that and I want to remind them of these great historical moments and lessons right. that they've forgotten. I've already done three books in that series, but they don't okay, come out great. until next year. So well, that's coming. Uh, make sure you stop by when they all come you out. You bet. Raymond, always a pleasure to see you, you my friend. Thank you, Doug. Raymond Arroyo, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, written by a very wise man. Oh. And it's Sophia Institute Press, available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic and all things 
Raymond Arroyo-like. Thank you so much for joining us here on Book Book. We shall see you next time. Thanks.